0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, this is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holtzer, and each episode we will be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. This is a big week for the Relunchables podcast. I know I say that every week, but this is a big one. We're going to be having on two special guests. Early this week, we'll be dropping an interview I did with the bully of the film, Brett, played by Zach Bostrom, who couldn't be nicer. And then later this week, we're bringing on the man himself, Johnny Kapahala, Brandon Baker, so please stay tuned for those. On this episode, we'll be covering the 1999 Disney Channel original movie, Johnny Tsunami. For this episode, I had to bring on fellow urchin, Chris McMahon. So let's roll the trailer in that Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. But not before I give you one, Hey, Bono! Tonight on Disney, hold on to your remotes because Disney's about to go Richter. How do you go Richter? With Disney Channel's original movie, Johnny Tsunami. (laughs) From the surf to the snow, he only knows one way to go. Ready to go, Richter? No possible way! Catch Disney Channel's original movie Johnny Tsunami tonight at 8 7 Central followed by Genius. <laughs> And we're rolling. Thank you, Chris, for joining me on the Relunchables podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor.
1: For my listeners who don't know, I bring on a new guest each episode to recap their choice of Disney Channel original movies. And I'm curious, why did you choose Johnny Tsunami?
0: So Johnny Tsunami is the first Disney Channel movie I've ever seen. Uh, Growing up, did not have the Disney Channel, um, was extremely loyal to Nickelodeon, but one day, a long family road trip in the car, and uh, we had one of those old-school minivans that had a VHS player. So someone illegally copied the, uh, a version of Johnny Tsunami for us and <laughs> put, plopped it in, and the rest is history, I guess. So, um, <laughs> uh,
1: Did you identify with surfer or snowboarding culture at all?
0: I, absolutely not. Um, I, it's just – you know, even even watching it now over again, I at first I said, "Oh, what did I get myself into?" But five <laughs> minutes into the movie, I was like, "You know what? This isn't. This is actually pretty good. It's a good movie. It's the the story is a bit cliche, but it really it really pulls you in." And it's uh, it's eighty two minutes long. I mean, everyone has eighty two minutes. It's uh, <laughs> it's really at that sweet spot. So um, yeah. I, I look back and say, I, I get why I like this back when I was 12 or however old I was when I first saw it, so.
1: Sure. And I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia right off the bat and ask you, how many of the Hawaiian islands can you name off the top of your head?
0: Um, okay, so probably just two. Uh, <laughs> Hawaii, Oahu, oh, and I just, because I just literally watched a movie before this, uh, Kauai was one of them. Yep. And maybe Lanai or something
1: along those lines? <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it's, it's pretty good. You know, you got Kauai, like Kawhi Leonard there. Uh, we got yeah. Maui. Maui's another big one. Oh, how
0: did I forget Maui?
1: Okay, I should have gotten uh, that. Malakai, uh, Lanai. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these correctly. Uh, Liahu, I don't even know. Kowalu. Honestly, I'm butchering the pronunciations. I apologize to all the Hawaiian audience that were, uh, you know, that's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, but let's get right into the movie. As you mentioned, the runtime, it goes by so fast. It's an hour and 28 minutes. It's directed by Steve Boehm and written by Ann Knapp and Douglas Sloan. It has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 62% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. This is the second highest ratings we've seen after Brink, of course. And again, no reviews from the critics. It was released on Friday, July 24th, 1999. It came right after the 13th year in Smart House, so it was a really nice run there in 99. And I want to introduce our new category, which is the random internet review of the week. And this is from the username Johnny T on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe this was Johnny Tsunami chiming in, but I really hope it wasn't because this is a a really tough review of the movie. And uh, tell me if you could relate to this review, Chris. Uh, It says Johnny Tsunami, if that's what his real name is is a terrible homosexual female who disgraces snowboarding as we know it. I used to like snowboarding until I watched Johnny Tsunami. This movie has destroyed my life. Ever since I was a boy, I loved to snowboard, but now I am a girl and I, des- and I despise it because of this god-awful film. This movie destroyed my family. My dad won't even look my mom in the eyes anymore. I have no idea why you monsters gave this film a 62% I want to die every day.
0: Oh, boy, that's uh, that, that's a lot to take in there. I don't know, I don't know how much I can relate to that. But, uh, I will say if they watched the movie for probably the first five minutes, they would know his name is actually Johnny Capahala, and Johnny Tsunami is the grandfather. Yep. Uh, so I, I don't know how much we can trust this uh, this review.
1: I hope Johnny T is seeking help, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> or at least found a better hobby, one or the other. You know, I hate to see these Disney Channel original movies destroying people's families. You know, that really wasn't the intention of these films. Uh, so let's get right into the categories. And how would you describe the plot of Johnny Tsunami in under a minute?
0: All right. So you, you have, uh, you have a, a preteen growing up in Hawaii. He has an amazing life. Uh, he really idolizes his grandfather, who is a professional surfer. His father is the exact opposite. He, he's more about his career and, and about book study And he becomes concerned that Johnny is uh, living too much of that surfer bum lifestyle. So he rips the family up, moves them to Vermont, where uh, Johnny has a hard time fitting in, in an elite private school, which uh, leads to a conflict with some of the kids in that school. Uh, Johnny eventually learns to snowboard uh, and has a competition with another another student at the school who is a skier. And... Uh, it sort of culminates to this point where, uh, Johnny needs to face his bullies in life and his father needs to, to face the fact that he can't control what his son, um, wants to do with his life and, and, uh, can't, uh, I guess, uh, he, he can't mold his son to be him, essentially. Uh, so there's, there's sort of, uh, it's actually kind of complex when I think about for, for a Disney Channel movie that there's, there's two separate, uh, you know, major, major conflicts happening at once. Um, but anyway, uh, so this, this competition happens. And of course, uh, Johnny Capahalo wins and he uh, is able to, to unite the, the town that was previously separated between a uh, very distinguished boarding school and the public school kids who are called the urchins, which is for a <laughs> Disney channel movie. <laughs> I thought that was a low blow, but <laughs>
1: We'll definitely get into that. And I think you perfectly summed up the film. Uh, Let's get right into it. And for the most rewatchable scene, uh, my first one comes really into the movie. And this is when Johnny's now in Vermont. He's attending Skyline Academy. And he's trying to fit in. And he kind of tries to make friends with Brett, who's the bully of the film and his crew. And he lies about his ability to ski. He's like, of course, I know how to ski. You know, I've done it all the time. And they take him out on the slopes, knowing that this guy has never been on the mountain. And he's trying to make friends. And Brett just pushes him down the slope while Emily is, I guess, tending to a broken ski. And honestly, he does a pretty good job for just being, like, thrown down. And he could have really yeah. killed someone. And he ends up back at the ski shop right where he started. So I just love that scene. It kind of introduces us to the characters.
0: Yeah, so I, I, that, that, that is a very good scene. Um, I know this a plot a plot hole with that is <laughs> is Emily as you said is getting her ski fixed but then she suddenly appears at the bottom of the mountain as if her ski magically was working again and uh you know I would imagine that fixing your ski with a screwdriver is going to take at least a few minutes um, but I for for me I think uh the there there actually are some really good action scenes in this for for a Disney movie it's very clear that uh Johnny Capahala, played by Brandon Baker, is not actually snowboarding or skiing yeah. in some of these, uh, in some of these uh, scenes. But um, the, the action scenes are, are kind of cool, the, the, um, the montages they put together, as well as the surfing. So um, I think I, when I was a kid, I probably found that cool. And, and looking back at it, um, it, it made me feel like I was playing an old Nintendo game or something. <laughs> it, was just, it was just fun to watch.
1: Oh, definitely. And Emily will forever be Xenon because uh, Kirsten Storm is the same actress. So if I refer to her as Xenon throughout this, you know, apologies. I, uh, I can't get that name out of my head. So when Xenon, this is my next rewatchable scene, is when she shows up in all black in disguise trying to like make it seem like she's one of the urchins, even though she's clearly not and she's trying to go unnoticed. And we get that great snowboarding montage of all of them, you know, trying to get into it. And then this is probably the most action-packed scene and probably the scene where I gasped the hardest as a kid is when, of course, she falls down the mountain and and she's just hanging on by a rock, even though it looks like she's perfectly fine and could definitely get up. But the way they move the camera, I guess, it's like she's holding on for dear life. There's no way she'd be able to hold on. And then Sam tries to get in there and he gets too close to the ledge and he falls over and he gets stuck in the exact same place as she does. Um and now Johnny is forced to skateboard down for help. They get the rope. Uh, of course, Johnny and Xenon kind of have that moment. And Sam says, you know, hey, that's a real touching moment, but I'm still down here. Can you, you know, fucking help me? Um, as someone who climbs, who's very into hiking, you know, was that scene realistic? Um
0: I, absolutely not. First, first of all, <laughs> let's 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 cover one thing as someone who spends a lot of time in the mountains. Uh, The mountains in Vermont do not look like that Whatsoever (laughs) I I saw that it was filmed in Utah The the mountains in Utah are probably 10 times the size of the mountains in Vermont So I don't even think There is a mountain that's scary To to ski or snowboard in Vermont But no, it it looks uh, To me like she could have easily Walked up that slightly sloped hill (laughs) <laughs> but, but but it's 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 you know it's 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 to build up the the conflict and and all that. So uh, we'll we'll give we'll give Disney a pass on that one because I think there were there were a few more egregious uh, uh, plots. <laughs> uh,
1: my next one is when Johnny finally gets ingrained into the urchins, and Sam gives him that iconic beanie. I know, growing up, I wanted that beanie that actually just looks like a sea urchin and has all the things coming out of the hat. Um, this is when they go to the skyline side of the mountain and the epic montage with that song Life Jacket playing in the background. Uh, they come across the skyline kids. It seems whenever they go on that side of the mountain, it just so yeah. happens that, those, that that same crew is right there waiting
0: for them. Almost like they're watching for it to happen. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uncanny.
1: And then this is where Brett and Johnny start fighting. And then Brett's boy is like, oh, no, it's the ski patrol. After seeing this, I was super afraid of the ski patrol, even though I never had to interact with the ski patrol. But uh, and this is, of course, when you know Johnny gets in trouble and ends up taking the fall for it. Uh, what do you remember about this scene?
0: So I, th- I think the most ridiculous thing about that scene for me is that the actor who plays Brett is probably a foot taller <laughs> yeah. than, than Johnny. And Johnny somehow gets on top of him and they're wrestling. If this this were real life I mean they could have picked a bully that was a little bit more to size because uh, <laughs> he he just looks like a full-grown adult compared to Johnny who looks like a 14 year old and uh, that that yeah it, it just was uh it just made me smile think looking back because when I was a kid I probably said oh this is, this makes sense but <laughs>
1: uh, the final scene I had is just that final race between Johnny and Brett and of course you know Johnny wishes Brett good luck And like a typical Disney bully, he just pushes him down and, you know, goes off on the head start. Uh, Love that they show the snow on the camera as they're filming it. This is very similar, you know, to Brink. You know, we see the the classic race to end the movie. And, of course, the bully, Val, and Brink kind of sabotages the race as well. Uh, But Johnny wins the race. There's somehow a Hawaiian flag in the background. I don't even know where that came from. It wasn't being held by his family. Uh, how are there so many people at the bottom of the race? This was supposed to be a secret race, like, right at the top of the morning the next day. How did everyone find out about this?
0: I, I don't know. That That's a good question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Sam's dad is in the military, he's supposed to go to Iceland. And he called up the military and said, oh, by the way, there's this really important race happening between two 14-year-olds. So I'm going to be late to my military assignment in Iceland. <laughs> I mean, that, that is just uh, – and – you know Johnny's father having having a a change in heart and realizing the error of his ways is nice, but it's just it's almost like uh, a light switch was flipped, and it just seems a little bit too. We're gonna have a big party at our house. <laughs> and it's i'm sorry it's it's 30 degrees outside no one has a party in their backyard when it's 30 degrees outside you just don't do that it's just not something that happens
1: how did they get that luau set up you know so quickly and they have the uh, the suckling pig over the fire
0: exactly it just it, it just seemed a little too maybe like hey we'll have a party next week or we'll wait for the summer for it to get warm <laughs> out. It would have been a little more ridiculous more realistic but uh I think I expected a little bit of, um, you know, it to be a little cheesy being a Disney movie, but that's the, that's the scene that the ending scene for me was the one that really just made me almost gag like (laughs) this is too much. This is, you gotta, you gotta dial it back a bit. If the movie ended at the race uh, and everyone's happy hugging, you know, I think that could have been a better, better ending personally.
1: I agree, and that would have been how Brink ended. Just with the race, they win, and end of the movie, end credits. We don't need to see a a celebratory party in the the freezing cold. Uh, Chris, did you have any other rewatchable scenes, or should we crown a winner here?
0: So I would say um, the other rewatchable scene would be uh, at the very beginning of the movie when he is in the surfing competition. Um, that that was that was a cool scene, just just for the the, the camera work and and uh, the fact that uh, Johnny Tsunami or Johnny Kapahala suddenly became a you know a twenty five year old six foot tall white dude. <laughs> um, so, but if you're if you're willing to uh, to, to look over that, it w- it was a, a really cool scene, and uh, it, it is one thing I, I will give the the writers credit for is that they they really did set up everything nicely and I think that that scene uh sort of foreshadowed the, the the scene that you discussed just now uh the the final race that you know uh Johnny Capahala at the, at the very last minute he's gonna get the job done he he's an incredible athlete especially uh when a board is under his feet
1: yeah so. he picks up snowboarding super quickly maybe too quickly uh so yeah I'm gonna go with the final race is the most rewatchable scene let's get into what is aged the best and what holds up today. I want to start with just Hawaii Hawaii always looks great it always works in any movie like I love the surfing scenes I love just it looks like Johnny just lives his house is right on the ocean there in the north shore yeah. it's just beautiful I don't know what his you know grandpa does for a living I don't know how much he makes on the surfing competitions but uh you know just beautiful scenes of Hawaii
0: yeah I was actually commenting that rewatching the movie there was only one scene that made me say, "Okay, this clearly took place in 1999. <laughs> Other than that, even the cars they drive don't look too much different from today. Yeah. Uh, there's there really isn't too much technology being used, so it really isn't time stamped at all. So um, the, the story obviously is classic, and uh, you know, the, I, I think anyone, any kid today could pick this up and watch it and, and not." say oh I can't relate to this I, I think um, I, I think it will, it will carry on because they did a good job of, of keeping up with the times so
1: I think that's why this and Brink are considered the top two Disney Channel original movies just because they hold up mm-hmm. uh, also for what is age the best the grandpa Johnny Tsunami is just a fucking boss you know I thought it back then and I think it now when I watch it he's just the coolest guy in the world and I have some interesting facts about him but uh you know every time I see him he's just the you know the grandpa that anyone would have wanted He's super supportive you know, just love to surf all day and kind of just gave you that Mr. Miyagi advice whenever you needed it.
0: Yeah, I, I would say I would agree. His character was definitely uh, flawless and uh, definitely looked up to him as a kid. And now even so, to your point, it's like, yeah, this, this guy would be awesome to be friends with.
1: <laughs> what about lying to fit in? You know, we talked about, you know, Johnny pretending to know how to ski. I could speak, you know, moving across the country multiple times as a kid. You know what? It comes. You know, you kind of do whatever it takes to fit in. So, you know, if you have to lie and say, "Yeah, I do cocaine," you know, if I could, you know, if I could make a friend, of course, I'll say it. You know, anything I could do to, you know, make some friends uh, really stood out to me. Uh, the Hawaiian shirts. I think we're way ahead of its time. I don't know if you know um, what's the brand, Tommy yeah. Bahama. Um, I don't know if this was right at the time of Tommy Bahama was taken off, but I think those shirts have come back into style now in twenty twenty, and everyone's rocking them.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that. Uh really looking at the style in this movie, it's not too much different. They, they chose, I, I think a lot of times when I watch these Disney movies, they really dress the characters up in these these eccentric outfits, but that wasn't the case here. I mean, if if you saw anyone from that, walking off the scene from one of those movies today, you wouldn't really think twice about it. No. Um, so I, I, think, I think that aged uh, extremely well as well. So props to whoever, whoever was uh, coming up with the, 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 the wardrobe for this.
1: Uh, we talked about Sam's beanie. It still looks sick today. Uh, his handshake, where he kind of just slides across his chest and then goes for the handshake. Honestly, I think we could bring that back today with our crew.
0: Yeah. oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I, I don't know if I would ever be as smooth as Sam was, but uh, I, I would like to try it. And I think Sam's character as well just is something that that um, age, you know, is timeless. Everyone wants a friend like that. Um, I thought it was a little weird how he was friends with Sam for two minutes and they became best friends and he completely ignored his his uh, lifelong friends back in Hawaii yeah. uh, Sam visited. <laughs> that, that was a little strange, but uh, you know, Sam's a cool guy and if, if Sam showed up here, I would probably do the same with my friends, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. What about just Johnny's manners? He's got great manners in this movie. Like, even when he gets in trouble for the fight that he didn't start, he's still so, like, respectful. He's always saying, yes, sir, you know, no, sir. Uh, He stays behind, like you mentioned, when he comes back to Hawaii, and instead of chilling with his boys, he goes and helps Sam learn to surf. And it's just – it's really unbelievable. Even Brett shows no respect to Johnny Tsunami. He's like, hey, Hawaii, who's the freak? And Johnny doesn't even, like – fight he's just like you know that's my grandpa you know we're about to wreck you in this race the manners (laughs) unbelievable
0: yeah I think uh it really that's really when you remember oh this is a Disney Channel movie they're really trying to bring home those family values and Johnny obviously exemplifies that to the T um and and yeah he he's he overall is a very like likable character and a, a great kid
1: yeah and the last one I had which is very similar to Brink is just the music and I really love the music that plays throughout the film. Uh, we even have the same artist from Brink, uh, Fastball, who has two songs in this movie. And like I did with Brink, I'm going to put a description of all the music in the in the film in the description of the podcast so all my listeners can go check that out. Uh, did you have any others for what is Age the Best before we move on to what is Age the Worst?
0: I, I think uh, I think that w- we covered most of it. And then again, I would just, uh, I would say again, just the, the plot and the you know, it is a little cliche, but uh, the 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 father son angst, as well as the 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 classic uh, you know conflict with the the bully at the new school, is something that everyone could relate to.
1: Sure. So. Uh, so, for what is age the worst? I want to start with just moving. Moving fucking sucks. I don't know if you moved as a kid, but you know, I grew up in in South Florida, had to move to San Diego, and then had to move to New York, and. It's always terrible, but the parents were just egregious for only giving Johnny one week's notice. Like that is so fucked up. Like as someone, you know, who had to experience this multiple times, like it'd be terrible to just be like, Hey, you know what? Next Monday we're off, we're leaving. And with no notice at all, um, it's still, it's still tough to watch. And it still brings me back to, you know, when my parents had to break the news to me that we were leaving Florida or San Diego.
0: Uh, yeah, for, fortunately, I didn't have any uh, very large moves during childhood. But I, I totally, totally hear that point, and that happens twice in this movie. One, one with Johnny, and another with Sam. Uh, and in both cases, you're absolutely right. They they gave just a zero notice. And <laughs> in fact, when Sam wanted to even tell Johnny that he was moving, Johnny's dad. Was sort of like, "What are you doing here? Go home." <laughs> 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 Which, uh, you know, not the most supportive, but uh, he, he he sees the error in his ways eventually. So that, you know.
1: What, what about the? You may you may uh, challenge me on this one, but what about the cold and the snow? You know, as someone who had to move from California and Florida to New York and having to deal with the cold and the snow for the first time, it is terrible, and I could definitely relate to Johnny coming off that plane in his Hawaiian t-shirt you know, and it's like, what the hell is this? All this, you know, it's freezing cold. His mom doesn't even really warn him. Um, I don't know the snow and the cold, just still, I guess this is why I live in Los Angeles now.
0: Yeah. I, as I've, as I've gotten older, I've, I've tended to uh, to get that opinion as well that the the (laughs) winter, it really does suck. If the winter was for, for 30 days, I could put up with it, but in the Northeast, especially in Vermont, it's maybe six months of the year. Um, And, and to that scene where, Johnny's parents just let him walk off yeah. the plane into the snow with just a Hawaiian shirt on. I mean, Child Protective Services would have showed up and arrested them if, if that was real life.
1: <laughs> but it made for a great shot in the movie, you know? Oh,
0: for sure. Especially because they, the, the way they did it with the camera work where they're in Hawaii one second, the next it's snowing in Vermont. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's classic.
1: And you just see like everyone coming off the plane in like these heavy jackets and then Johnny Tsunami stands out in this bright red Hawaiian shirt. Uh, what about going to the same school as your parents? You know, fortunately, none of my parents ever taught at the same school that I went to. My parents weren't teachers, but both Johnny and Emily, Emily's dad, the headmaster, of course, and Johnny's dad, who's works in computers. I don't really understand what he does, to be honest, but I, I never had experience that, but I can imagine it must suck
0: yeah I, uh, uh, likewise, I've never experienced it, but just even having my parents pick me up from school when I was in middle school <laughs> was a big deal so we're, having to be in the same building as them uh, definitely I, I agree did not age well.
1: Also I had was just you know that first day at a new school which you know even if you're just going from you know fifth grade to middle school or middle school to high school, some people experience this is just sitting alone in the cafeteria, which is an experience that nobody wants at that young age and I remember clearly moving from Florida to San Diego the first day of sixth grade. I just, I didn't know anyone, you know, I was just sitting by myself and it kind of took me back there. Um, what about the school uniforms? You know, we never had school uniforms growing up. I always went to public school, but are you a fan of school uniforms?
0: Uh, I, I, I would, I would say no. Uh, definitely did not have to experience that growing up, fortunately, but uh... The idea of having to wear dress clothes now is difficult for me to go to work. So <laughs> I'm very fortunate I didn't have to do that as a kid. And and I'll I'll disagree with you on the the uh, having to sit alone on your first day. And I, I see what you're saying in terms of the fact that it it gives you that that terrible gut feeling. But at the same time, that's so I think everyone has experienced that, and everyone could relate to that so well that that heart sinking feeling of well I have my tray. Where where the hell do I sit? Even when I join my new company. You know, and I'm I'm a full grown adult. I still had that feeling in the cafeteria. You're like, oh shit, where am I gonna sit? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, that scene is uh, everyone can relate to that at
1: some point in their life. Sure. Uh, what about the skyline kids? You know, snitching on the fight to get Johnny in trouble. Don't they know that snitches get stitches? <laughs>
0: yeah, that yeah, that was a little bit. Uh, oh, I'm I'm totally going to believe all these kids who are <laughs> yeah. troublemakers and bullies over this other kid who is a minority in my school and just got here. He clearly is making trouble. I mean, yeah, that was a little.
1: (laughs) What about leaving a note? I think we all had that, you know, fantasy, maybe as a kid, when you got into an argument with your parents or your siblings, it's just like, I'm running away and I'm gonna leave a note and they could find me if they want. Uh, I just love how, you know, Johnny just leaves it on his computer. Like his parents are just gonna check and see, oh, he has an open email up. Let's see what it says. You know, and of course, Sam actually hand wrote a letter, I guess. But, uh, you know, leaving a note, I don't think people do that anymore.
0: No, definitely, definitely not. I think a text would suffice. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, parents would track their, their kids on their GPS now as well. So, right oh, yeah. away, it would be much harder.
1: The last one I had is just Brett's attitude. You know, it's just, I have one quote where he says, you know, this side of the mountain is for skiers only. You know, the sport with two boards, poles, and no tattoos. What is he trying to say here? Like, this is just, it, it's so messed up, you know, just his attitude towards everything. Like, I get there is a divide between skiers and snowboarders, but he doesn't have to make this like an economic thing or a racial thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I would agree. And if anything, snowboarding is probably more popular than skiing, um, at, at least among um, teenagers who who are the yeah. primary demographic, teenagers and kids. Um, so de- definitely did not age, age well there.
1: Did you have any more for what is age the worst
0: uh so uh, there were a few things that i I, w- I was surprised to hear from a disney movie one of um one of the one of the lines said by by johnny uh sam says oh you're you're the kid who bombed on the mountain the other day, and Johnny says, "Oh, more like kamikaze did um, <laughs> so the the idea of of describing his run as a Japanese suicide bombing in world War two for a movie targeted to 12 year olds. I thought was a little, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't, that would not fly today. Um, I, I thought, I thought the line was clever. I was just surprised to see it in there. Probably didn't
1: age the best. Um, I agree. we see these lines that I don't know who they were intended for. Maybe the parents. Cause I know my, you know, 10 year old self was not getting that reference.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely not. Um, and then the other thing is when, uh, uh, when Johnny's dad pulls up the median salary for surfers in Hawaii, <laughs> I mean, that, that, first of all, that went over every kid's head. What they, what they
1: were yeah. discussing
0: And I actually looked at it. So the number was 34,000, $34,000 in 1999. You can make a pretty good living off of that. You know, yeah. it's, uh, today, maybe not so much, but, uh, that, that was a little strange to me in the, a little bit too much of a gut punch for, uh, for a Disney Channel movie, in, in my opinion.
1: We'll have to go on Glassdoor after this and type in, you know, pro surfer and see what the average salary is now. Right, see how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to, you know, which actor or actress would you have thought would have made it big having watched the movie? And I think we have a few candidates here. We have Brandon Baker, who, of course, plays Johnny Capahala. Uh, Kirsten Storms, who plays Emily. Lee Thompson Young, who plays Sam. And Zach Bostrom, who plays Brett, who's actually going to be on the podcast later this week. So oh, out of wow. these four actors, you know, who would you have thought after watching this would have had a long acting career?
0: So uh, definitely Lee Thompson Young. Uh, unfortunately, he uh, is no longer with us, but he was an incredible actor. I mean, his, he, he nailed every line and, and he really, his, his role was to be the friend everyone wants. And I would want to be his friend if he were here right now, so um I, I, I would say he he definitely nailed it uh kristen storms as well i i thought she did a really good job and i, I checked out her i m d b page and she's consistently uh mm-hmm. you know she's had she's had a good career um uh brandon baker i can't really say that uh that i i was too surprised of his his career sort of fizzled out i i thought a lot of his delivery was was flat um he I think he, he was the, he, he didn't do a terrible job. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but compared to the the job that Lee Thompson Young did that, that Kristen Storms did um, as, as for Zach, he, he did character. <laughs> it was hard because his character was, I mean, what was his character, right? Just, yeah. just a bully who is incredibly vapid and, and has no actual substance. So uh, what he had to work with, I think he did a good job, but uh you know, there, there wasn't much there for him, so.
1: Yeah, Zach had a very one-sided character. You never got to see any type of lighter side to him. Um, I would give it to Lee Thompson Young. I think you're absolutely right. I think he kind of stole the movie. Every time he's in it, it's just his charisma kind of jumps off the screen, and we definitely lost him too soon. Uh, let's move on to, you know, what was the most Disney moment? You know, these Disney movies were always trying to kind of feed you your vegetables as they were entertaining you. Uh, what were we supposed to learn from Johnny Tsunami?
0: So I think uh, I, I think there were a lot of those those uh, Disney moments, but the one that stuck out to me probably was the the moment between uh, Johnny's grandfather and Johnny's dad, where they sort of settled their beef. Because mm-hmm. typically in a in a Disney movie, it's it's the parents telling the kid, "Hey, here's what you don't understand about the world and uh, why why you're wrong." But to, as a kid, to see Hey, you know, your parents might be wrong sometime too. And your grandparents still need to parent your parents. Um, so I I think, think that, and the lesson of, look, you can, you can want your kid to do, uh, you know, to be, to be the best coder or, um, you know, career driven person there is. But at the end of the day, if, if they're, if that's not who they are as a person, then it's not going to happen. So that's, I think that's just a, a timeless lesson. Um, and then, of course, just confronting your problems, right? So Johnny, uh, midway through the movie, decides to, to run away from Vermont, as, as you mentioned, and go back to Hawaii. And he slowly realizes, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to face my fears and confront my problems instead of running from them. So I think that's something that uh, Disney always tries to, to remind kids as well.
1: I think that was spot on. And I hope parents were watching this movie with their kids so they could see that speech because that really wasn't for the kids watching. That was more for the adults saying, you know, let the kids be who they are. And, you know, whatever they're passionate about, let that come out naturally.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, uh, props to the, uh, I I, I unfortunately can't pronounce his name, but props to Johnny Tsunami, the uh, or Johnny's Johnny Capahala's grandfather, Johnny Tsunami.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: incredible, Incredible job.
1: I want to talk about just one brief moment here, and that's when you touched on when Johnny, of course, goes back to Hawaii, and, you know, his grandpa says, I'll send them back when they're ready, and and Johnny's, and he pretty much tells Johnny, you know, you could stay here as long as you want. You know, we're not, I'm not sending you back, but he says he wished he could have gone in his place to Vermont, and I love that part because Johnny knows he could surf any but now he has the opportunity to experience something completely different, which may be difficult. And my dad used to tell me all the time growing up, you know, how many kids get to live in Florida and San Diego and New York. And I used to tell him right back just because I was being like a punk kid and being like, well, I don't want to say that. I just want to say I lived in one place my entire life. I don't want to have to say I lived in all these places, but I get what he was going for. And that's, you know, use this as an opportunity to you know, kind of step outside your comfort zone kind of take on a new challenge, meet new friends, and I really love that. The other thing I just wanted to touch on is just the difference between how they portray the divide between the urchins and the skies, and I'm going to give a very poor analogy here, but when I was moving to New York and my parents were deciding whether to move to Eastchester or to Scarsdale, and Scarsdale, you know, my friends know I'm Jewish, one of the few Jewish kids in Eastchester, so you see where we end up here, but, uh, you know, my parents thought, okay, we need to be in Scarsdale, that's where all the Jewish kids are, it's a more, I guess, Perceived as upper class, more white collar, as opposed to Eastchester, which is predominantly Italian, more blue collar. And I just have to say, I'm glad I—I I think I was the original urchin because I'm glad I got to grow up in Eastchester, <laughs> and as opposed to the snobby kids in Scarsdale.
0: It's funny. It's funny you use that analogy because that still happens to me every day. Uh, so, growing up in Eastchester, you're licensed as Scarsdale on it, which gives you the right—or maybe not the right—but gives you. The idea in your head at least that you could introduce yourself as someone who grows up in scarsdale and people people know scarsdale and what it is um i working in finance i come across scarsdale people all the time and uh it's always that oh i'm i'm from the scarsdale area <laughs> and then it's like oh but you're not actually from scarsdale oh, where Oh, scarsdale
1: brought? high school right yeah. no 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 <laughs>
0: no it's actually Eastchester. it's next door and by, by no means is Eastchester is, uh, affluent as well. Just not to the same, not nearly to the same level that Scarsdale is. Uh, but it's, it's funny you say that because I still run into that all the time. So I, I guess I will always be the urchin, uh, to the, to the skies that, that are Scarsdale.
1: Honestly, proud to be an urchin. We should rock those, uh, urchin beanies someday, Chris. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, let's I move on. actually remember oh, go in, uh, in, uh, elementary school kids wearing those so I, I think the movie made those popular
1: huh yeah I can't say when I was growing up in Florida it would have been you know way too hot to wear one of those beanies so I didn't really enough, have that yeah. experience <laughs> uh, let's move on to the coolest parent award and you know which parent would you have wanted growing up and I think we can immediately cross off the dad Pete here the guy is a fucking asshole uh you know the first time we see him he's just working on the computer he's just talking down to Johnny about surfing and he says you'll never be able to support a family. He calls his own dad a lunatic, which is something you should never say to someone about their grandfather. Uh, he won't even let Johnny call his grandparents. I won't even call my grandparents now. I don't need my parents to tell me not to. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, he tells them, you know, my dad is not a hero. He's a surf bum. Uh, it's, it's really sad to see, but, you know, I think we could immediately cross out Pete there, right?
0: Oh, 100%. And that brings up one of the, the biggest plot holes in the movie. Johnny's dad hates his father so much yet he names his only son after his father yeah it, what That's, <laughs> i I can't comp- i I was trying to to rationalize that as I was watching the movie and I just I just couldn't do it. I don't know doesn't make any sense
1: I thought maybe Johnny's dad was also named Johnny, so it's just a name passed down, but it's like, no, you hear his name Pete I'm like what's what's going on here it doesn't <clears throat> you're right, it doesn't make any sense um I just hate when Sam's moving to Iceland and he just says you know, it's probably for the best. Like how, why would you say that to your son who's losing his best friend? You know, he says he's not allowed to hang out with the urchins, no more snowboarding. I honestly think he's just salty that he wasn't a good surfer himself.
0: I, I think, I, I think that's it. Um, and he, he, without a doubt is is the, the parents nobody would idolize or, or wish they had. Um, sure. He cares about this kid and, and wants, wants Johnny to be successful, but he goes about it in the complete wrong way. And uh, fortunately as the movie goes on he, he sees his errors
1: and even the mom Melanie like she's nice and she seems supportive but she ends up going along with whatever her husband says and she she's laughing at Johnny for freezing off coming off the plane in his Hawaiian yeah, right? I don't even want the mom honestly I'm going Johnny Tsunami all the way I want grandpa to raise me
0: 100% and to Johnny's mom I, I think that the whole movie could have happened without her character it's almost like she her existence added almost nothing to the movie and no no offense to the actress it's just that she wasn't important at all it was a story between uh Johnny his dad and his grandfather at, at the end of the day and uh yes j- having having uh Johnny tsunami as your grandfather would have been the coolest thing in the world so uh, i think i think i could relate to that
1: yeah i think this movie i know we keep you know bringing up the you know parallels to brink but it's super similar you have this you know really mean father figure and a supportive mom that's trying to balance him out but the mom ultimately doesn't have a lot to do and I kind of blame the writers for not really making it a more you know even playing field between the parents and honestly if this if we saw one year into the future these parents would probably be divorced to be honest.
0: I, I would agree and I think that's a theme I've noticed in, in Disney movies is that um, there, there typically isn't a, a very powerful mother figure and I think that's because in these Disney movies, if there was, a lot of the conflict would be would just immediately be resolved if if that character existed. And even uh, you know, Sam, Sam didn't have a mom. And I, I don't know what that even added to the plot, but they felt like throwing that in. <laughs> just, hey, by the way, I don't have a mom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know what that added, but it just seems that Disney always harps on that, like that that plot that, oh, one of these characters doesn't have a mom for some reason.
1: Yeah. I guess they just want to make you more sympathetic to the characters. I'm not sure. The one parent I also wanted to bring up is Sam's dad, who is also just incredible parent. Uh, you know, he's proud of his son for saving, you know, Emily, even though Johnny's parents don't seem to care. Uh, he offers, you know, to take Johnny to see a movie. He's a first sergeant in the Marine Corps. I would have loved to have Sam's dad.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he definitely was a cool guy. And um, I, I think you really nailed it on the head when, when you discussed the uh, – um, his reaction to his son getting in trouble and saying, you know, I want to be mad at you for being in trouble, but honestly, you, you acted so, um, uh, so bravely and, and so virtuously that I I can't even be mad at you because that's exactly what I would want my son to do Um, on top of obviously being a great guy to, to Johnny who needed all the help he can get. So uh, he also, um, Johnny Tsunami takes the cake, but, but Sam's dad, would would also be uh, an amazing parent as well.
1: Completely agree. Uh, let's move on to some of these nitpicks. You know what didn't make sense. I want to start with something you alluded to at the very beginning, which is I completely forgot that Johnny Tsunami was was the grandfather and not the kid. Right. Like, I think that's what. Honestly, if you had kids our age rewatch this, that'd be the first thing that jumps off the screen. I don't know how I missed it. I totally forgot. Maybe because they're you know the first name is both Johnny, but I really thought the kid was Johnny Tsunami.
0: Yeah, I, I did not remember as well until until I started watching. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's right, that's right. And as I was doing research for this movie, I came across this stupid BuzzFeed article. It was like, one thing you <laughs> didn't remember from Johnny Tsunami.
1: <laughs> I read that article. I and did I was read like, that article. I
0: can't believe I wasted my time and clicked on BuzzFeed. Why did I even do this? <laughs> yeah, I just keep scrolling
1: but, down. I'm like, tell me what the thing is.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand why he just, didn't have that as his name but i i think the the name itself is so cool and so catchy and uh even the cover art on this uh you know johnny tsunami riding riding the surfboard on the mountain is just so it's iconic honestly and it really just grabs your attention and makes you say what is this movie about um and i think that that's probably why they did that but it, it definitely adds to the confusion
1: yeah it might have the best title out of any of these movies uh, you touched on, you know, it's so blacked out in the beginning when Johnny's surfing. You can't even tell. It's definitely a stunt man. You know, this guy looks like he's six five and white. You can't even like. It's just a shadowy figure. You can totally tell it's a stunt double. They don't even try to make it seem real.
0: Exactly. I, I wonder if, uh, you know, they, they they did try, and the guy was <laughs> sick that day, so they had to get some other surf bum, and it's like, all right, well, you're you're white and six five, but you're gonna have to do. So, but but, uh, but as a kid, I I think I definitely overlooked that, and. Honestly, as I watched again and Scott roped into it, I said, okay, I could, I could overlook this. This is a Disney channel here. We're not talking mega blockbuster hit. Uh,
1: what else do I have? Uh, this is a geography nitpick here. Uh, of the principal Hawaiian islands, Kauai is the furthest west. So when Johnny asks his father if they're moving east to Kauai, that's not geographically possible. So I wish they had that fact correct there. Um, we touched on being told you're going to move. In a week, he just moves, and the house is fully furnished. I don't understand like when did this happen? You know he even has like a skateboard poster in Johnny's room. When was this done
0: yeah it seems it seems like there's just a little little gap there, and I get you know they they really did squeeze a lot in eighty two minute movies, so I'm willing to forgive that a little bit, but it'd be nice if there was one sentence say like oh yeah, it was really nice that so-and-so took care of this for us or, or something to explain why the house is fully furnished and they just show up with a car from the airport. and. Uh...
1: Why do we always see the quintessential like new kid in school on the first day and the teacher makes you have to like tell everything about you? Like as someone who moved constantly, I never got that question on my first day of school. Like, you know, Jordan, tell me your life story and tell me where you're from and tell me about the culture of where you came from. And this is where he asks, you know, the teacher asked Johnny all about Hawaii on his first day of American history. And he even, like, gives that one liner of, like, you know, great girls in bikinis.
0: Yeah, that was a little uncomfortable when, uh, <laughs> when, he, when he dropped that line. And, yeah, it, that, that seems a little forced. And uh, to, to that scene as well, when Johnny shows up without a uniform. Which, fine, I get it. Maybe his uniform wasn't completely ready for him on the first day of school. Even though his whole house was his whole house was <laughs> furnished, they couldn't get him a uniform. And even if they couldn't, they could have at least given him a, a buttoned-down shirt and a tie to wear and instead of sending him to school looking like he rolled off the street. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe that would have, would have set him off on a better footing, and he wouldn't have been bullied from the start. Just, just, just throwing that out there.
1: Completely agree. Again, we talked about these terrible parents that he has. Um, how would the guy who works at the shop in Vermont, you know, Randy, know about the legend of Johnny Tsunami? I don't understand. Like, what was this? Was it on ESPN? How was he hearing? How was he hearing about Johnny Tsunami? I, I don't. I don't know, especially
0: because they. Uh, Johnny even asked him, "Hey, have you ever been to Hawaii?" And he says, "No, I haven't." If he if he had said, "Yes, I've been there before," then you could you could make the the parallel, but because he doesn't i i would agree it's uh, surfing is not i couldn't name a professional surfer i don't know if you can no offense to professional surfers but
1: um, i think it's uh, kelly slater and that's about it when it comes to surfing that i know
0: okay yeah i i've heard i've heard of that but uh, besides besides that i probably couldn't
1: no definitely and, and to not. be
0: honest with you i'm not sure if kelly slater is a is a man or woman <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but i have heard the name <laughs>
1: Uh, the last one I had is, you know, Johnny declares at the end of the, you know, when he's setting up the final race between himself and Brad and he's like, you know, we're, if, if I win, we're going to share the mountain. And if you win, you get this, you know, lucky medallion for my grandfather. How does Johnny have the authority to make that kind of bet? It's not like he owns the mountain. You know, he has no authority to make that kind of wager. There's no way he could pay up on that.
0: Right. I think there's, there were a few things wrong with that. First, uh, Johnny Johnny's grandfather is just snowboarding wearing the medallion the whole time under his shirt. <laughs> that, that just seems a little, uh, a little strange to me, but yes, agreed. He doesn't, uh, the mountain is private property. It's owned by two separate people. He cannot decide that, uh, all of a sudden the rules are changed because, uh, a 13 year old kid said so.
1: Uh, did you have any other nitpicks or should we move on to best quote?
0: I think that I, uh, i i think that i i probably covered them all but maybe some will come up as we as we continue to talk
1: so let's move on to best quote and i think i'm just going to declare the winner here and then we can move on and talk about some of the other quotes but hey bono is the is the quote of the movie would you agree i uh
0: i would say the word bono <laughs> is 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 pretty awesome and uh definitely for, forgot about that but it's uh it's just a cool word it's it's a cool <laughs> word and uh uh, any basically anything that the, the grandfather said throughout the movie becomes the quote of the movie. Mine oh, yeah. was uh, what I thought was a, a pretty ridiculous quote um, when when Johnny's grandpa is talking about what surfing represents. He says respect for nature, courage to serve, and brotherhood. I don't know what surfing has to do with. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's with, a single person sport
0: courage to serve exactly it's a single person sport you're not exactly on a team i i uh i i really that one went over my head um it was a nice line but i don't know what it means
1: it sounds more like something you know sam's dad would say for the marines yeah exactly <laughs> uh one that i had is uh you know when Johnny's talking to Brett, when the surfer magazine falls out of his locker, he says that zine rips bra. And he's like, rips bra. You're an American now, boy, try speaking English. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's again, really messed up. It's, uh, you know, Brett has definitely a lot of flaws in this. So we'll leave it at that. Um, I do love when, you know, we talked about, you know, Johnny flying down the mountain when he gets pushed by Brett in the very beginning of the movie. And he ends up right back in the ski shop and then Ronnie's like, returns are on the other side. Just a classic one-liner, you know, some humor there.
0: Yeah, I, I actually have to say I enjoyed that line as well. It was, <laughs> it, it was silly and ridiculous, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to appreciate what they did there.
1: What about the urchins' motto, go big or go home? I don't, think this is, I don't think they invented that motto, but I love hearing it in any movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think it really represents the urchins as a whole as this uh, – this group has nothing to lose right um unlike the skies who are who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth they go big or go home because what what do you have to lose you're an urchin. so
1: would you uh, say you live by that motto chris
0: <laughs> i i would say that i should live by that <laughs> motto but i definitely don't
1: <laughs> uh, and this might be my second favorite one after hey pono which is you know when johnny sam you know, when the grandfather get off the plane and Peter tells his dad that he could have just put the boys on the plane. And then grandpa says, "And miss the look on your face. No way. <laughs> and it just, you know, anytime I could, you know, really stick it to, you know, Johnny's dad, I'm all for it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most people will be happy to see their dads and also will be happy that their 13 year old son didn't have to fly across the country by themselves. Because mm-hmm. uh, a flight from Hawaii to Vermont, I can only imagine how many uh, layovers that involves.
1: Uh, let's move into some unanswerable questions. And I want to start with, you know, why didn't the grandpa just move back east with them to begin with? They just kind of left him in Hawaii. I guess, you know, that maybe that was his choice, but it seemed like it would make sense to bring him along.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, especially since they repaired the relationship at the end, it, it would make perfect sense that uh, that he was there. But uh, um, I, I don't know, maybe he had some obligations back in Hawaii that we just don't know about.
1: This is, uh, you know, maybe one I don't want an answer to is, you know, did Johnny ever get that surfing magazine back from the kid with the spiky hair? He seemed way too interested in the girls in the magazine. I don't know if I'd want to touch that magazine again. I think it ends <laughs> up in the trash can at some point. But again, maybe we don't want the answer to that one.
0: I, I'm th- I'm thinking we don't. Some things are rather off unanswered.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. Just this Maple Valley versus Skyline dynamic, private versus public school. Do you see a big difference in private versus public schools?
0: I think it's it's hard to say because... Um, where where we grew up it's uh, the public schools are, are are very prestigious as well so it's it's not on the same level but I definitely uh, I definitely do see that in other locations where oh well I, I went to this school and, and of course the, the really elite boarding schools in the country um, you know you you'll meet someone and you say, oh where did you go to school and if they answer with their boarding school first then you know, I don't want to be <laughs> friends with this person. Get away from me. <laughs> so I, I still think, uh, yeah, there, there still is that divide.
1: Are skis more expensive than snowboards? Because they try to make this economic thing, but I feel like they've got to be similarly priced.
0: Yeah, I uh, i I've, I've haven't been snowboarding in a long time. I, I go skiing every winter, but I, I have to imagine, you know, the lift ticket is is fixed. It's not, yeah. oh, you snowboard. So, um, yeah, I, I would say uh, if, if anything, snowboarding might be more expensive because, um, I I would imagine they break more, but I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not enough into that to have any opinion.
1: You know, this whole concept of, you know, the mountain being split in half with skiers on one side and snowboarders on the other. Is this a metaphor for the economic wealth divide in this country?
0: Honestly, it, it, uh, I, it probably, it probably is. And, uh, the this, this scene that, that touches on that is, is when Johnny gets in trouble and is in the, the principal's office and, and is discussing why, why Johnny should spend his time with the skies instead of the urchins. And he says, look, I know it's not fair, but this is the way it is. People who are skies um, have opportunities that the urchins could never have. Um, and I think there are a few of those metaphors in this movie that they, they sort of subtly slip in. And uh, the, the mountain could definitely, could definitely be one of them. Uh, especially since the snowboarders uh, get the worst side of the mountain.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about did Johnny's dad – I know they hint at this, but did he move them to Vermont to get Johnny away from his grandpa? He jokes about it, but I honestly think he maybe did.
0: I, it sounds it sounds like he did. First of all, he works on computers. So he didn't need to go to Vermont of all places <laughs> to, to, to work on computers. I think he may have been able to find a job somewhere else. Um, so I, I think I, I think he most likely did, or at least that was – uh, part of his reasoning, uh, at the very least.
1: What do you think it was like for Johnny's dad, Pete, growing up living in the legend of a shadow like Johnny Tsunami?
0: I think, uh, I think we, we see that it made him extremely bitter and just made him a miserable person who could only focus on his career because that's the only way he was able to get value and, and to, uh, you know, to succeed at, at something is, uh, identify himself as somebody who, who is, uh, going to have a successful career and he wanted his son to to go down that that path and at the end of the day johnny is a different person it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to be on on johnny's dad's side pete it's uh, it really is
1: yeah no, i agree uh we talked about whether johnny's parents probably got divorced they probably definitely did um how did johnny and sam sneak onto that military plane headed to hawaii
0: I, I can't believe I forgot that. so <laughs> I, So I actually looked up. There isn't even an Air Force Base in Vermont. <laughs> so, so that's just uh, you know a little little hole there. Um, and then yeah, had uh, two kids just sneaking into as, as cargo on that that flight. I mean, first of all, they could have easily died during that process. <laughs> that would have been like a twenty hour flight. Uh, without seatbelts, without uh, climate control in the, back of the cargo <laughs> rig, bouncing around with boxes—I mean, that is, uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of a major plot hole there.
1: You know, this was pre-9/11, so maybe it was just different back then.
0: Maybe, maybe you just uh, you know stow onto cargo and.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the biggest unanswerable question of the movie. Uh, what about you know? We talked about the kids from school are always on the mountain when Johnny comes over. Um, this is an interesting one. What do you think is faster, snowboarding or skiing? You know, we see at the end the race, but is there one that's actually faster than the other?
0: It, it has to be, has to be skiing. Having done both, uh, you, you just have more control. You can, you can make your body more aerodynamic. Um, there, there's just no way that, that a, a snowboarder can keep up with a, a skier, at least, at least professionally. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another nitpick besides the fact that Brett is looks like he's six, five and like an, al- an alpha athlete next to Johnny who looks like, uh, you know, he hasn't finished puberty yet. Yeah.
1: And he gets the head start from pushing him down. So <laughs>
0: exactly. Right. He should have so. won.
1: Do you have any more unanswerable questions or should we move on to some half ass internet research?
0: Let's move on. I think I think I've covered my uh, <laughs> all of my gripes.
1: <laughs> uh, so this is what I found out about the movie. You're right. It was filmed in Utah, not Vermont. Uh, it was nominated in 2000 for the Humanitas Prize in Children's Live Action. Uh, so I definitely see why it won that award. Uh, you know, Johnny's grandfather, the actor who plays him, I know I'm going to butcher the name. Uh, I'll just say it's uh, Carrie Tagawa. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Is only actually nine years older than his son who plays Pete. So I guess maybe that he had him when he was nine years old. That's why Johnny's grandpa looks so good, I guess.
0: I, I guess so, yeah. I actually was thinking that too, that I could tell they were trying to make him look older, but he didn't look that old. And the fact that he, uh, you know, they have him shirtless uh, surfing in various scenes, it was very clear that he's not an old man.
1: Yeah, I don't want to see, you know, the 70s or 80s movie with Johnny's grandpa just probably just, you know, doing a lot of, doing a lot of cocaine, surfing, <laughs> women everywhere, having kids at nine years old. So I'm glad we didn't get to see that movie. Uh, this is an interesting one. You know, if you watch Tiger King on the last episode, you know, they added that one bonus episode hosted okay. by Joel McHale, where apparently, uh, you know, Kelsey Saf Safry, who, of course, is the, uh, the man who gets his arm bitten off by one of the tigers, and when asked, you know, who would play him in the movie, he responded with Brandon Baker, the star of Johnny Tsunami. Wow. So honestly, when I was looking at it, the resemblance is pretty uncanny.
0: Yeah, I uh I I guess that would make sense. It's just that Brandon Baker is not someone that I even <laughs> think about before doing this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I looked up I looked at his Instagram um, just just as doing research for this. And I was shocked to see that some of our friends actually follow him. Yeah. Um, and to me, I, I enjoyed the movie, and that was it. I, I had no desire to, to be like you know. I want, I wonder what he's up to nowadays. It never, never really. <laughs> but you know what? That maybe this will be the the, the big break he needs. Uh, <laughs> Starting you know, the Tiger King movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I want to bring up a few things that Brandon Baker mentioned. In an article he did uh, a few years ago with Vice, he said he scored the role after auditioning with a broken arm after a real-life snowboarding injury. And, you know, he said that he had stunt doubles, you know, obviously fill in for him. And he said he's gotten a ton of DMs since Disney+, Plus, being like, hey, dude, you're clearly not the white guy who's like 22 in the snowboarding scene. So <laughs> I'm, glad he's, I'm glad he admitted that. Uh, he also mentioned that he totally had a crush on Kirsten Storms at the time. And he said, I made a move. You know, we never dated, but we definitely like, kissed or hooked up. Uh, we were 13 at the time. So dating was like, you know, mom, can you drop me off for an hour here or there? Um, so it's kind of nice to see in real life they actually had maybe a little bit of a relationship. And this is a little bit where it gets a little darker. Um, apparently, Brandon Baker became clinically depressed by his own admission at around 25 years old after graduating from UCSB. Uh, he went to therapy. He became a bartender. He worked in a wood shop. He traveled through Scandinavia. He went on yoga retreats, but now he seems pretty fine and he's officiating weddings so that if you need Brandon to officiate your next wedding, you could have uh, Johnny Kapahala.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I read that same article and uh, that he definitely has a, a, an incredible life story and he's only, you know, in his, in his thirties. Uh, so yeah, uh, pro- props to him and um, ab- about the, the broken arm incident, uh, um, it almost makes me wonder if if the person running the auditions really believed in superstitions, and because he showed up with a broken arm from from uh, <laughs> from snowboarding, said, "This is it. I don't care how good have, at acting he is." <laughs> um, but yeah, it really um, about the depression thing. It really uh, begs the question. You know, um, Lee Thompson Young unfortunately committed suicide, and and Johnny talks about his own depression, um, and it makes you wonder, sure, these kids are being financially rewarded uh, for, for this movie, and growing up, any of us would want to be in their shoes, but was it actually worth it, and uh, what are the long-term um, psychological implications of, of being famous uh, a, as a
1: child? Um, 100%. You know, we see this all the time with these young child actors who are burnt out by their 20s, and I don't yeah. know how I would even handle the fame and the money and the, you know, the notoriety at that kind of age. We really can't you can't put yourself in those shoes if you haven't experienced it firsthand. And even Kirsten Storms, you know, who played Xenon and Emily in this, you know, she had a DUI in her 20s. She's battled alcohol addiction. She's recently went through a divorce. Um, so it, it really affects them all. I'm always amazed when it's the, you know, anomaly of the person that seems fully, you know, self-sufficient. And, you know, we had Ches Starbuck on from the 13th year and, you know, he seems completely fine and he owns a ranch in Austin, Texas. And, you know, unfortunately, those are the outliers rather than the norm.
0: Right. And I I, I will uh, I'll I'll give props to uh, to Brandon because he obviously went through it and it seems like he came out the other side. So, yeah, um, he he battled it and it seems like he won. And, uh, you know, I think he realized that that acting um, isn't really what makes him happy in life. And uh, apparently officiating weddings is living out in Boulder, Colorado. So all all, all credit to him. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, glad he pulled through that and is doing well now.
1: So let's move on to Apex Mountain. You know, when was this person at their at their peak? Was this when they had the most fame, notoriety? And let's start with, as you mentioned, Brandon Baker, who really did not act much after this. He, you know, he was in four episodes of Even Stevens. He was in the movie Punks. He essentially stopped acting in 2007. It's without a doubt Johnny Tsunami is his apex.
0: Absolutely. He is Johnny Tsunami. And,
1: and he'll, he'll and forever be that him. person. Yes. Kirsten Storms, who of course plays plays emily uh she was she played the voice of bonnie in 40 episodes of kim possible she was an episode of that's a raven but she's of course known for doing three xenon movies and i think to this day she must get a hundred people that come up to her and say zetus lapidus so you know what i think xenon it was definitely her apex
0: Uh, absolutely no 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 doubt about that one either
1: yeah so far it's been pretty easy let's move on to lee thompson young who we mentioned unfortunately uh you know passed away who plays sam you know he was in the movie friday night lights he was in 65 episodes of the famous jet jackson which i think is where most people found him he was in jet jackson the movie he had a main role in rosoli and isles which was on tnt Uh, we mentioned he unfortunately committed suicide by gunshot at 29 years old um i think it's a i think i'd probably give it to you know the jet jackson tv show as his apex what do you think
0: Yeah, I I would agree. For me, it's going to be uh, my personal um, apex would be Johnny Tsunami. But, yes, Jed Jackson makes more sense uh, for him.
1: And then we got, uh, you know, Zach Bostrom, who, of course, plays the bully Brett. Uh, He was in an episode of Twilight Zone. He was in two episodes of It's Scary Shandling Show, Will and Grace, Jag. He's kind of been kind of all over playing guest spots. But I think this role as Brett is the most iconic to me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard. I think he's, he's someone who has more of a plateau career rather than an apex. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say, for me, it definitely is this movie. Again, uh, I, I did recognize his name in, in a bunch of other movies and TV shows. But yeah, for, for me, I'll stick with Johnny Tsunami.
1: And then, of course, we have the grandpa, Johnny Tsunami, Carrie Tagawa, um, who I think most people, if you re- watched the Amazon show, The Man in the High Castle, recently— he has a main role in that uh, he was of course in the mortal Kombat movie tekken the last emperor um but honestly i gotta give it to the man in the high castle he was pretty much in every episode of that show he played such a great role i don't know if you're familiar with that show um what do you think his apex is
0: uh, absolutely i would agree man in the high castle and i, I will say looking at his imdb i was very impressed i mean he seems to be churning out oh, multiple yeah. productions per year and i believe he was also a producer on two as well so uh Really really solid career for him, um, and uh, his, his role in Johnny Tsunami, of course, is iconic, but he just kept going yeah. uh, since then.
1: No, I'm definitely happy to hear that. And then let's move on to the director, Steve Boyum, who has directed several of these Disney Channel original movies, including Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, Stepsister from Planet Weird, Motocross. It turns out he was also a stuntman in Apocalypse Now, True Romance, the Lethal Weapon movies. This guy's got a super interesting career. Maybe that's how he got such a great stuntman in Johnny Tsunami. I'm not sure, um, but I'd have to give it to Johnny Tsunami as his apex in directing.
0: Right, I, I would too. I, I've seen those movies, but they're not something that I I can remember as well as Johnny Tsunami. Uh, so it, it goes to, it goes to Johnny again.
1: The last one I want to mention is just was this the apex of surfing movies? You know we have. A few movies, which probably my listeners have, have never even heard of, which is, you know, The Endless Summer in 1966. We have North Shore in 1987. Uh, the iconic movie Point Break in 1991. They, of course, made a remake. But the original I'm talking about with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Uh, you could even throw in, like, The End of Stakes on a Plane. They have, like, a little surfing scene. One of my favorite documentaries in recent years is Momentum Generation. You could find it on HBO. It's really about Kelly Slater, who we mentioned earlier, and that entire generation of young surfers coming up in the 90s and making a career out of themselves. And they all kind of were growing up, living in Hawaii at the time. It's a phenomenal sports documentary for anyone. Um, Again, I would probably give it a point break in 91 as the apex of these. I don't know how familiar you are with these.
0: Yeah, I I would give it to Point Break as well. I've seen I've seen that one. I think I think Johnny Tsunami did play a, um, a pretty significant role in getting people our age to get into surfing. Yeah, um, you know, we are we're, we're way too young for the Beach Boys and, and that <laughs> and that stuff. So um, he sort of carried the torch for for our generation getting into surfing in my opinion. Uh, but overall Point Break would, would be the apex.
1: Let's move on to, you know, who won the movie? And I think there's one obvious answer here, but I'm curious, you know, who would you give it to?
0: I I think there's, there are a few winners, but it's, it's hard not to say uh, Johnny Kapahala. He, he gets, he beats his bully. He gets the, he gets his bully's uh, girlfriend or um, at least love interest. Um, He, he gets to move back to Hawaii if he, if he wants to, and he gets his father to stop being a dick. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, so i i think it's uh it's really just a quadruple win for him across the board
1: until his parents get divorced a year later and he has to go through that but uh yeah i think <laughs> i think johnny does win the movie i i'm gonna give it to his grandfather i think the guy's always living his best life you know he's just living up every day to the fullest you know going out catching some waves doesn't seem like he does anything for work i don't know how he supports himself but uh i think that guy's just live in the dream
0: yeah, I, I I would agree. The one thing uh, I, I will say is, he waited till his son was, I guess, forty <laughs> to to fix to fix a major character flaw uh, that that he has. I don't know why he waited that long. Uh, I know he's about you know letting people discover themselves and and he doesn't want to push them, but you know, he could have he could have stepped up a little bit sooner and be like, you know, there's something wrong with your parenting style here. So <laughs> before he made a rash decision to move the family to Vermont. Uh,
1: fair enough, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to where does this rank all time in the Disney Channel original movie universe? Uh, in 2012, Complex ranked the movie number two on the magazine's list of the top 25 best, only behind Brink. And then in March, 2016, the film was ranked 35 on MTV's list, which is honestly, it's blasphemous to me. Where do you rank this in the, in the universe of Disney Channel Original Movies?
0: I would really want to know what sort of drugs that person was on who wrote the MTV article. For me, this is hands down number one. I will say I am biased because it, it, is, it was my introduction to Disney Channel Original Movies, uh, but I, I just think it's such a timeless story. And, and even now turning it on as a 20-year-old watching it, I still really enjoy it. Um, I, I said, "Oh, I'm going to watch this on one and a half time speed, and then just just to blow through <laughs> it." But I, I got sucked in. No, I won't lie; it's it's still a, a really classic movie. Uh, Brink is obviously another you know, great one. Uh, Smart House. I I enjoyed Luck of the Irish. All all very all. It's tough because there are a lot of really good ones out there. But for me, this stands out.
1: It's tough to argue with you. You know, this movie really has everything. You know, it has the great scenes of Hawaii, but also utah i guess vermont i don't know uh but i'd give it to brink but it's so close it changes on a day to day basis so i think we could both agree that it's one of the top two all time
0: absolutely Uh,
1: let's move on to you know could this be remade you know sequel prequel it actually did get a sequel johnny Capahala back on board which was released in 2007 which was honestly a really bad sequel i don't recommend my listeners watch it Um, would you maybe want to see like a prequel of Randy and Ronnie growing up, you know, in the origin story of how the mountain got split?
0: I think that could be interesting, but I I think the more interesting prequel that I would (laughs) want to see would be about, uh, the actual Johnny Tsunami, Johnny's grandfather, uh, and, and about his life, because obviously, uh, it's, it sounds pretty awesome. So, um, I, I'm honestly surprised that, uh, that Disney hasn't come up with that one yet.
1: <laughs> you know, we have all these actors on and they always talk about how, you know, on board they'd be to do a sequel or a prequel or some sort of thing. And you, know, you got to think Disney Channel has is, is got to be warming up to the idea because I think there's a huge audience for this and people have an appetite to revisit these movies and show their own kids now.
0: Oh, absolutely! Not to mention that uh, Disney is not in the best financial shape right now, so so they'll they'll take whatever dollars they can. I was joking with my friends that they were going to add Mickey Mouse to the MCU, just <laughs> just just for a few more dollars. So I honestly, maybe we'll see a crossover episode with Johnny tsunami and Brink meets Smart House meets the Luck of the Irish. I don't know. It's uh, it's all possible when Disney owns the world. So. Uh.
1: Chris, I ask all my guests who come on, you know, does this movie live up to how you remember it as a kid?
0: I I, I would say absolutely. Uh, they're, they're, the, the plot holes are more obvious, but the message is still spot on. The action scenes are still spot on. And just the overall watchability is excellent. I, I sat here and was glued to the screen, did not look at my phone until the movie was over. Uh, hard to say that nowadays, especially when I'm not the target audience for this. It's, it's someone four times younger than me, and I still got sucked in. So,
1: I think that was perfectly said. Urchins for life. You know, you always be Pono in my book, Chris. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the Relunchables podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. It was, it, was, it was a blast and an honor.
1: I would like to thank my guest, Chris McMahon, for coming on the podcast. You can subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Later this week, I'll be joined by one of the stars of the film, Zach Bostrom, who plays the role of Brett. So stay tuned.